multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again, with the return visit of none other than the warrior poet himself, Aubrey Marcus, celebrating the precious first few steps of the people's journey to reclaim the sovereignty of their own consciousness. Putting out the first call for the gathering of the like-minded for a little rekindling of that tribal feeling. And telling our dolphin friends, don't be bogarting the pufferfish, man. And now, asking that you and your friends and neighbors band together to replace every member of the House of Representatives, I am Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, teacher, fighter, author, poet, an all-around swell guy with a fantastic accent, Daniele Bolelli. Away we go. Welcome back, everybody. Our first interview of 2014. And it's an awesome repeat. Our boy Aubrey Marcus is back to visit with us again and really bend our brains. But without further ado, here's our good pal, Daniele Bolelli. Let's get the ball rolling. So today is going to be a long chat, so we'll make your, our intro quick. Thank you very much for Datsusara for uh, having sponsored every episode so far from day one for the greatest hemp gear in the world. Check out Diaz Gear. Uh, link as usual is in the episode notes with your discount codes for computer bags, backpacks, um, martial art gear, you name it. There's so much great stuff. Onnit.com. Well, Onnit is quite apropos today because Aubrey is Mr. Onnit. Yes. He's the brain and everything behind the Onnit brand. From supplements, workout gear, uh, food, uh, you name it. There's a lot of great stuff on Onnit.com. And today you get to hear a lot from the man himself at, uh, at Onnit, who jumped jump in and became our second major sponsor. Short design, uh, wildest t-shirts in the world yoga pants yoga you know there's a lot of amazing stuff at short design and he's uh, giving us you know the new drunken taoist t-shirts are going to be all uh, short design material so you can wait for those or you can start checking out his site and see some of his other products that he sells that are brilliant i got to see the artwork and it's awesome Oh yeah, we're working on the second drunk. Now, not only our regular t-shirt that used to be in a more standard American cut is going to be made of short design material, but also we're going to add a second t-shirt that's, yeah, we need to dedicate time just to describe that, but we'll do it another time when we get closer to releasing it. It's going to be fun. Also, thank you to our affiliates, Coracao Chocolate. There's an extra discount for this period up until, uh, I don't remember if it's end of February or... uh, or through um, Valentine's Day, but somewhere around there. In any case, by the time you listen to this, still there's an extra discount going. So check the episode notes for that. And audible.com. Those of you guys who are always clamoring for more stuff to listen to than we release on a regular basis, you have access to a gazillion books. First month is free, so you get to try it out. If you don't like it, you can always just say no thanks and you got your free book. And uh, so check out, if you are in the market for that, our link in the episode notes for Audible. Having said that, I think, oh, and of course, as usual, if you guys do shopping on Amazon.com, please do it through our link. That is incredibly helpful to us. Even though we don't get to see who's doing that, we appreciate your effort anyway. It helps us keep keep us on the air. 
Uh, anything else for now? No, it's interview time. It's a long one, guys, but it's awesome. Let's roll. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 33 of the Drunken Dows Podcast. We're into 2014, believe it or not, and is an amazing beginning-of-the-year guest, and probably just at the right moment with Colorado legalizing and all sorts of <laughs> craziness going on in the world. Aubrey Marcus is here with us today, which is really exciting. But without further ado, everybody's favorite host with the most, Daniele Bolelli. I thought you were talking about yourself, no? Oh, no, I'm just, a, I'm just the Andy Richter of this organization <laughs> here to uh, insert insanity. Well, I... Bow in appreciation. Thank you very much. Aubrey, uh, what's that connection? You thought uh, um, legalization of weed and you thought of Aubrey? What's the connection there? What are we? I just know he's a spiritual journeyman. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that had a spiritual journey yesterday. I saw thousands of people in line to uh, partake of their legalized oh, sure. recreational marijuana, which yeah. is a pretty incredible thing. Well, I suppose it applies because I'm. Definitely in favor of all forms of legalization. For right. Yeah. Control of your own consciousness. Mm -hmm. I think that the sovereignty of our own consciousness is one of the most important topics for the rest of humanity. <laughs> so this is a great first step. Actually, one of the most encouraging steps. You look around and you see everybody is corrupt and everybody's right. fucked up from SeaWorld, you know, covering, covering up stuff with oh. the orcas and keeping those fish. You watch that and you're like, oh, SeaWorld too. And then you see the, you know, that NFL documentary where they're covering up covering up issues of concussions. And of course, we know about our government. It's just surrounding you everywhere. You get yep. these depressing signs of corruption in large entities and organizations. And then you see these glimmering shimmers of hope, like Colorado legalizing marijuana. And you yep. say, okay, okay. You know, the good has some people on the field as well. <laughs> That's one of the things that trips me out when people are so... We love freedom. Freedom is great. Uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, everybody likes freedom. The idea of freedom always sounds good. Mm -hmm. And then they are the same people who tell you no about freedom to do whatever you want with your own consciousness. No, whether you want, you know, you are sick, you want to go in a pleasant way with a shot rather than, you know, no to all the things that ultimately are what freedom is. It's yeah. the freedom to do whatever the hell you want with your own body as long as you don't hurt anybody else. Right. That should be the one rule. Yeah, like that's that's it. There's so maybe 1.5 rules. So the rule is don't hurt anybody else. Yep. yep. And don't hurt the environment, which collectively hurts everybody. Else, Absolutely. You know, oh. and you know, animals, including part of the environment. So just don't fuck with those things, and everything else is cool. I would say Obrey Marcos for president. <laughs> yeah, it's we so easy. It, you pretty it's, much put it together right it's there. It's so easy. Yeah. And with the insanity of the, the level of destruction of the ocean right now, it is terrifying. I mean, when you look, I, I, I do have a bit of a scheme for 2014, you know? You've got all these kids hooked on the video games that want to be drone pilots one day. Mm -hmm. We need to make sub-drones with big nets on them. And your job as video game pilot is to clear your quadrant of all the shit floating in the ocean. And when you get that one clear, you level up and go to the next level. Mm. That's fucking brilliant. I well, love thank it. Thank you very much. But so, how, you do know, you, how do you clear the garbage without clearing out all the animals? Well, <laughs> good point. <laughs> I agree with you. I think it has to do with... And the 12-year-old with the joystick. <laughs> <man. laughs> oh, look, I got a shark. <laughs> Let's see if I lift him up in the air and then I drop him in the middle of... <laughs> well, it would have to be something slow. And I think nets that resemble sort of the tuna nets that let the that let the dolphins out. I mean, and I'm talking about on a, on a yeah, really they, they kind of the, sick level. Yeah, but they keep the tuna in. 
That's a problem too. Yeah, that, well, <laughs> and the tuna are all are, are Fukushima'd up right now, yeah, so you can get your glowing green. We're gonna have like tuna. teenage mutant ninja turtle tuna yeah. that are gonna develop into like half human, half tuna. If yeah. we don't Lords figure it out, it's gonna be nothing but jellyfish floating <laughs> out there, you know. So if yeah. you like jellyfish, you're in luck, everybody. Everybody else. I actually do like jellyfish to eat, but well, there you go. <laughs> Speaking of the ocean, one of my favorite stories, I don't know if you saw it or not, was the reports of the dolphins who were passing around the uh, passing around the pufferfish and carefully handling it and getting high off the pufferfish toxin. Yes. And yeah. that was a pretty cool story. Yeah, what's uh, like Rich was going off about it. Oh, yeah, they get snooted up, pass it around to everybody, and then they park on the surface with their schnozzes out looking at the reflection on the water. Yeah. Now, I don't know anybody who ever might have partaken of any sort of uh, semi-toxic substance and found themselves parked in front of a mirror for a few hours. <laughs> exactly. But, sounds pretty fun. Exactly. Now there'll be a rash of kids out there dying of pufferfish, you know, because you eat wrong pufferfish. It's a dangerous pufferfish, not the dolphin it's one. better ways than pufferfish, kids. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> but if you're a dolphin, it's hard to get ayahuasca. <laughs> <laughs> the really injustices of in, life. Inland streams, and that's a little risky. Yeah, 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 that's <laughs> that's funny but yeah isn't that a trip that people think um, humans are the ones who get high all the time and oh, there are a bunch of animals, animals I just too. tweeted I just tweeted something out it was like seven other animals that get blasted like yep. sheep eat this psychedelic lichen mm-hmm. uh, jaguars eat the copy vine strong maoi if an animal can get blasted, it will. The only difference is these animals don't have the animal cock-blocking right. police <laughs> or driver's going to come by and say, we're going to throw you in jail, fellow jaguar, because you're getting high, and that looks like it's awesome, and we're not going to allow that in yeah. part of the jungle. I just had a visual of two jaguars in a uniform showing up yeah. and busting the other one. And... Yeah. Well, fuck you, then. Yeah. The Honduran jaguar police. <laughs> What's going on here, fellas? Yeah, no, that's, but that's wild. Why do you think, you said it perfectly a minute ago, you said, you know, it's so simple, you know, something, you don't hurt the environment, you don't hurt other human beings. If you're not doing any of those things, then you should be free to do anything you want. Right. Why, if it's that simple, and I think it is that simple, I agree with you, why do you think there's so much, it doesn't translate into practice? Like, there's such an opposition to such a simple notion. Well, I think that, you know, really you can look back to what the church has been doing for a long Mm -hmm. time. I mean, they went after the big one, the biggest one of them all, sex. Right. You know, as soon as you start targeting sex and making that a problem, you know, you're at the very fucking heart of the matter. And I think you kind of have to look back at those control mechanisms that the church has used to find the origin of these other control mechanisms. I think there's some other reasons too, but I think that was probably the start. So one is power, basically, because you're controlling people by mm-hmm. not a, like when you control somebody's body and their attitudes toward their own body, that you don't get any more power or control over somebody than that. That's right. pretty wild. And in that sense, um, internalizing it because you pass certain values that people they don't need a cop outside to bust them. They have their own inner cop who's yelling at them if they want to go down the route. And so there's that fight between their instincts and their morality about or so-called morality about what they are supposed to do and what really they want to do and mm-hmm. they are fighting all day and you know if you have somebody who's there feeling i'm a horrible sinner because i have these wishes and then i can't really fulfill them they are going to be begging to come knocking on your door for you to save them you know you don't yep. have to go even recruit them they are your ready-made audience right yep. there that guilt you know you get those hooks in deep <clears throat> yeah and uh yeah it's it'll 
it has powerful effects. You know, I was uh, recently, and, and I, I wouldn't mind touching back on this this other topic, but recently I encountered, and you know, I've kind of gone back and forth with, with my thoughts on organized religion in, mm-hmm. in high school and college. I was pissed. Right. I was just really mad. And then, you know, I kind of said, ah, you know, oh, well, right. screw it. And I, But then recently I had an incident that really kind of incited me to get pissed off again. It was talking to, uh, I was talking to this girl and you know there's she was trying to date this guy who was super religious super religious guy and <clears throat> so they eventually ended up hooking up and obviously he failed miserably i think he came like as soon as he pulled his pants of course. Down, right and then he immediately started berating her of course like, you slut you yeah. whore i can't believe you had me do this blah 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 and i was like that motherfucker yep you know and in some part even though some part of her knew it was silly like some part of her, those hooks started to, to get in, of you course. know, and that just fucking pisses me yep. off, yep. you know, because yep. then as soon as I start to see like a, a tangible, innocent face of someone getting hurt, mm-hmm. getting kind of steamrolled by this paradigm that's just toxic and poisonous, right? Then I start to get pissed again. <laughs> so that's kind of been my recent journey. No, and I agree because many people who are religious, they feel, and sometimes they are very nice people who are religious who feel like, hey, why are you so hostile toward organized religion? blah 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 it's not hostility to your interpretation of it because maybe the way you apply it sure. you're a nice person and you're not really doing anything you know the messages that you focus on are fairly pleasant yeah you avoid some of the nastier stuff i have no problem with your interpretation totally. what i have a problem with is that the same name that you're signing up for that particular organized religion what you are doing with it is a tiny minority. The majority of its history is tied to horrible things. That's what I have a problem with. Mm-hmm. And so just because you can spin it in a good way, I'm glad that you do that, but that doesn't erase the monstrous amount of suffering and bloodshed caused by the very same ideology that you are adhering to. Even though, again, you're in, that's the problem with vocabulary sometimes because you know we use the same word, mm-hmm. And it means radically different things to different people. Sure. Somebody can say Christianity, for me, Christianity is this and that, and their Christianity is totally fine. So when I use the word Christianity, I'm not really referring to their thing. I'm referring to this whole other thing that in my mind has been the mainstream, the yeah. huge part of its whole history. And that's where it gets complicated because we fight over semantics, you know, where we use the same word, but we're really talking about different Completely things. Completely different things. Yeah, I have a, I have another example with one of one of my friends who's probably the wisest, one of the wisest people I know, and he has interpretations of Jesus's sayings in the Bible that have been really useful and valuable in my life. And I said, "Wow, that's an amazing perspective and philosophy." Right. You know, so you have that. You have that on one side, and then you have this asshole on the mm-hmm. other side. And this isn't the first time I heard this story. I, this was one of the reasons I was so pissed off in college. Is I heard a very similar story. So right. it must be somewhat prevalent prevalent especially with these sexual issues so you have both of these sides that are just kind of going going back and forth and it is like you said it's the same vocabulary so which one are you talking about that's why in fact i think is useful in any of this conversation whether they are political whether they are religious anytime we use those words that are these big catch-all terms to almost forget about those words to say Mm -hmm. i'm not pro or against christianity because it's such a huge topic and is so contradictory within that it's really any statement you make you almost have to make 17 exceptions to that so there's no point making a big generalized statement is more about 
this is what I'm against. I'm against uh, putting an enormous amount of guilt on sex. I'm yeah. against, you know, going into the specifics because Tent, then, yeah. you know, if we disagree, then we disagree about something real there. We don't disagree about some ideological term that can mean anything or nothing depending on the vocabulary you're carrying in your own head. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important because a lot of times arguments start over symbols that are interpreted differently by different people. And so you go in circles arguing about something that's nothing really. It's like, what are we talking about? Sure. And you find that a lot if you use the word God. Oh, yeah. You know? I of mean, course. So, you know, I've, I steer clear of that word yeah. at all because it's just too loaded. Yep. You know, so if you're talking about that divine force, the yep. Wakantanka, whatever you want to call it, you know, I just I tend to use the word source. Or, right. You know, something like that. <laughs> because as soon as you use God, people won't even listen to what you say. And they'll, you know, they'll harangue me for believing in God. You know, say, hey, wait a minute. You know, right. Take it easy, buddy. I know, I know. you've had some bad experiences <laughs> with this. You got a little post-traumatic stress. Maybe take some MDMA, relax, and just listen to what I'm actually saying here. Yeah, I completely so agree. That's the, it's one of those words that to me I can't, I get a shot there every time people use it because <laughs> right. it's here we go. It means so many different things. You know, yeah. God to somebody is like Santa, basically, right? The old man in the sky uh-huh. with the white beard who watches what you do, reward the good, punish the bad. I mean, it's so fairy tale that it's funny, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's your smiting God that's a little there's angry, that, smoking, and with a lightning bolt. But you also have God that's not even a character, like you yeah. know, conceive in that sense, like what he's saying: uh, what can tank an energy? A source a power god intended as almost the tao as so mm-hmm. people use the same word to mean things <laughs> that have nothing to do with each other and so no wonder you get into a fight that is like <laughs> that's why to be the problem with um sometime i've had um, discussion with people who take a very strong hardcore approach toward atheism uh-huh. because in my mind is if you are saying that you don't believe in God as in, you know, the guy with the white beard in the sky, okay, we agree there. There's not much. It's right. so silly that, of course, I get it. But if you tell me that you don't believe in, like, the concept of God the way you are intending, like, there's no such a thing as anything above human beings in terms of no energy, no power, no spiritual essence, no nothing of nothing. Yeah. Are you re- is that what you're saying when you say you don't believe in God or you mean in just God purely in a Judeo-Christian sense as in, you know, this being that watches everybody and tells them? Because those are two very different things. Yeah, those heavily atheist people that are just like, and you're usually the ones that are like, well, when you die, what happens? They're like, well, the switch goes off and it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, they really have taken it so far to the other edge of the of the range that they're almost doing the same thing well, from the first end. It's know? a rea- it's a reaction, I think. Yeah. It's a yeah. counter reaction to getting fed this bullshit about this totally. false, you know, representation of God yep. for so long. It's like if someone was jamming saltine crackers down your mouth for, <laughs> for years and years. And more, you want some more fucking crackers here? Eat some more crackers, 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 crackers. You want to masturbate? Have some crackers instead. You know, and then eventually you'd be like, I fucking hate all crackers. Of all course. crackers are terrible. And you're yep. like, no, really, there's some graham crackers. They're kind of sweet. They're good. You can put peanut butter on them. It's awesome. They're right. good. They're like, fuck crackers. <laughs> you know? So they just go the, the opposite way. And it's this reaction. That's exactly how it is. That's why it's funny because sometimes I am um, in a lot of discussion, depending on who you are talking with, you're going to, you being the same person, may end up taking radically different positions just because they are going so extreme in one direction that you almost feel the need to balance it the other yeah. way. But then, you know, if you talk with somebody who's a uh, hardcore religious fundamentalist, my take on God would be very different than if I'm <laughs> having a discussion about God with somebody who's like hardcore, super 150% atheist. Yeah. 
I'm gonna sound very different. Yeah. Just because it's like, well, let's tilt it back to balance here a little bit, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. so it's, it's a lot, what we do a lot of the time is reacting to the people around us, you know, and it's useful to remember so that that's what we're doing rather than thinking that that's the ultimate truth of the position mm-hmm. is, it's so I know. funny that you say that because it's exactly what you have to do. I mean, if you know Joe Christie is coming along, mm-hmm. you're gonna edit it a little just just to make this yeah put a little Chris conversation slide past a little quicker so we can move on yeah, with our day. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to tangle with this fella. But I see it even in politics. You know, like people oh, yeah. who are if you are immersed in an environment that's like ultra super liberal with all the with the nastier aspect of it, then you're by reaction you're gonna go in a different direction. Yeah. But if I take the same person and I put them in a very conservative environment, they're going to be hardcore liberal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like many times we are reacting to stupidity and the excess around us. But then it's useful to remember that that's what we're doing. So we don't end up just playing the contrarian role yeah, and just playing the opposite. Just swinging the exactly. pendulum back and yeah, forth yeah, instead yeah. of finding the middle. Yeah. Do exactly. you have a reaction to the new pope? Because we've been pretty blown away. He is a really Christy kind of guy and saying things that even being sort of outside the box, I am happy to hear a man with that sort of influence saying to people. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna chat with you guys about that too. You know, I think if you look at the history of what the Catholics have done, they've just softened enough to stay kind of with the sure. the little lagging behind. They're definitely yep. not leading the charge. No, but no. as this kind, of, they're kind of getting drug like a, yep. you know some kind of anchor alongside with the way society is going. I mean. For a while, they got away with Inquisition, Hellfire, yep. Brimstone, you know, Hieronymus Bosch, all yep. this nonsense, right? And then eventually they, you know, softening, softening, softening. Mm-hmm. And now this new pope is really kind of bringing them a little bit closer to the consciousness of the people. And I think that trend will continue until, you know, Catholicism, people people think like, ah, oh, someday, you know, that shit will just go away. No, it won't. No, <laughs> They'll just morph yeah. until it becomes something very much sounding like a total new age philosophy right now, you know, something very much akin to uh, beliefs that maybe me and you have or or something like that. It'll eventually find its way there to survive. And I think that's also encouraging too, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's what we could hope for from the government as well. I mean, and I think the government is a little bit more entrenched, but eventually, you know, politicians will come in and they'll kind of ride the wave of, of different things. And I think there is a possibility for change in a positive direction, not in this kind of radical upheaval, but them just having to respond mm-hmm. to the way that the masses are going. So, you know, you want to make a change. If you move the masses, these forces that be, they, they may be a little bit incalcitrant. They may fight against it for a while, but eventually they'll soften to survive. I agree. I mean, that's the way history works. If you look at uh, racism a hundred years ago, and what racism is today. Obviously there still is racism today, but when you compare it to 100 years ago, it's like night and day. It's Mm -hmm. changed dramatically. And again, it's not because somebody passed the law one day when suddenly everybody changed their mind. It's once you reach a critical mass of enough people who feel that maybe racism is not cool and they don't look kindly upon it, yeah. Then it starts the snowball effect and more and more people jump on the bandwagon. And I mean, the majority of humans are very much conformist. So whatever is the main thing around them, what's the approved uh, um, ideology, they'll jump on it. So a yeah. hundred years ago would have been very weird in many parts of the US, probably most part of the US, to find people who are not racist. 
if you weren't racist, it's like, what the hell is wrong with that guy? <laughs> right, you know, right, it's right. like, really? That's what he believes? What a weirdo, you know? It's like, today, <laughs> the same thing is flipped. It's like, if you are hardcore in your face, kind of blatant racist, most people are gonna look at you like, whoa, what, what's well, wrong Well, we're with? seeing that right now with uh, gay rights. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> that we're, we're watching this unfold before our eyes, where public opinion, where maybe, you know, 15 years ago, yep. it was, you know, pretty mainstream to be pretty homophobic, yep. you know, Big with time. language and with everything. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, that's not that's not cool anymore. I know, and, and it's there's still some people. Of sure. course, you know you got the Duck Dynasty guy. You got, <laughs> you got a few guys that are still hanging on, but yeah. the the whole culture as a whole is changing. Yeah, absolutely. That's why the guys on that side of the debate, the anti-gay, whatever, it's not even about right or wrong. Is they are on the losing side of history because mm -hmm. it's pretty obvious where it's going. Yep. and it's pretty obvious that their idea was gonna be the dinosaurs in not too long. Mm -hmm. But People they're already ideas. dinosaurs. I mean, these guys are sixty-some years old. The ones that are holding on the Paula yeah. Deans, you know, sure. they were programmed that way. Right, they're not gonna change. That's the thing that's amazing about human beings: how much what we think is free will how much the majority of people are controlled by whatever is given to them early on in life, whatever ideology they are fed, even if they end up rebelling against it, even if they end up, they just reproduce those dynamics for the rest of their life. And where the number of people who truly have a degree of free choice on their life is not that high, is actually considerably less than one would expect. That's a trip right there. Well, you need to have those program disruptors, right. you know, a chance where everything goes quiet and you can yep. reevaluate your course and yep. then build your decisions back from the ground up. So any kind of that, you know, mindfulness training from meditation mm -hmm. to flotation tanks where you can quiet everything down to, of course, you know, I'm a large advocate of psychedelic of use in that kind of proper intended setting. Um, but those are the ways to kind of say, okay, okay. Let's stop this chain of events yep. and reflect and see where it's taken me, see where I want to go, and then rebuild where you want to go by your own belief and by your own intent. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the most important things that you can do. So you're not just a bottle floating in the ocean, <laughs> you know, riding going, the current right. wherever you go. Yeah, because you're living somebody else's life, essentially. You're living the program that was put into you at day one, and you're just replicating it until mainstream society is going to move so far away from the program that you'll go, oh, I guess, and you'll switch. Mm -hmm. But it's, um, I agree with you, that idea of uh, sitting down and questioning everything that you have been taught, everything that you are, every every option that's out there, you know, doing the research in that sense of looking at all the possible answers, considering them and figuring out what really makes sense to you, what really clicks with you, what really, why does it click with you? Why the, And does it have to be 100% away or do you see some exception where maybe you can borrow something from a different answer as well? Yeah, That's the healthiest thing that any human being can do. That way, when you say that you believe something, that you're be, you support an idea, it's really you supporting that idea. It's not just you being the minion for whatever idea had been planted in your head because you never really took the time to think about it. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because you know we can say it, and yet the reality is that majority of people think that they are free and they do that, and they don't. And that just yeah, if you're not actively going to stop that cycle. Right. then you haven't stopped the yeah. cycle. You're not free, you're Absolutely. in it. Unless you're really actually taking proactive yep. steps to, to kind of take, take another look at everything. It's not gonna happen automatically. I, I know, it's wild.
on the freedom thing that we were talking about earlier, I remember having a discussion with um, this one guy, clearly very conservative guy, and he was all about freedom, freedom, freedom. And I wasn't going to antagonize him directly, at least. I wasn't going to say, <laughs> you know. That's what we visit uh, later. Screw you. Uh, so I said, uh, in a open to discussion fashion, I'm like, so that means clearly that you're supporting legal prostitution, legal drugs, uh, euthanasia, that, right? You know, that's what we're talking about. And he's like, no, that's not that's not what I'm saying. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm I'm confused here because I, I heard you saying that you support individual freedoms and individual freedoms are a sacred thing to you. So that is individual freedom. You're not hurting anybody else. You're doing what you want with your own body. Please do tell me, how is that non-individual freedom? I saw a total brain meltdown there because it's not like oh. you can argue against it. You can say no, <laughs> that it, it was just like your quits breaking and just complete like it was sad. <laughs> it was, but at the same time, it's like that's what we're talking about, man. It's like I'm not arguing against it. I'm not telling you those things are good or bad. I'm just trying to draw the logical conclusions from where you started go with it. I mean, if you're telling me that that's what you believe it, then go for it or tell me why it's not. And that process was just like pure short circuit right there. Yeah, I think, you know, it's been this weird trick that I think the Republicans and Democrats have done where mm -hmm. they place these things that should go together on the opposite sides, yeah. right. you know, so that this kind of, well, tradition, now it's all just this one fucking homogenous sure thing they're all the same especially yep. after you saw them on that plane flight obama oh, and bush just right. hanging out you're like you guys aren't different you right. love each other go kiss you know like <laughs> whatever it's a bunch of bullshit but anyways at least the ideal you know the ideologies that they represent you know it used to be republicans all right well you know freedom to do what you want with your money at least and but social freedoms forget it right you know and then, but then the Democrats are, you know, we're going to tell you exactly what you need to do with all your money and we're going to do it best. Um, but yeah, we'll let you do a few more things with your, you know, have some freedoms in the other way. And it's so like they like place these two opposite ideals that are just nonsensical. If you're for freedom, freedom of choice and what you should do, then be about it. But they've, they've right. created this binary system where you have to have evils and good on both sides and it's just nonsense and that's why i love Taoism because it's the ultimate way to break binary systems you know binary yeah. systems are about these or that Taoism is all about these and that and about combining the best from seemingly opposite things which yeah. is an art it's not you know it's not just say oh, i'll take a little of this a little you need to know how to mix it you need to know how to put it together it's like cooking you know <laughs> just because you got a bunch of recipes and throw them in the pot bunch of ingredients doesn't mean it's gonna be good you need to know what ingredients goes well with another the right balance and all of it but the point is you're taking from different sources you're not just saying today i'm gonna eat a potato straight with nothing <laughs> on with just like it's like yeah that's not gonna work so well you know it's because like, potatoes are good for you and that's the way to go and it's like yeah but you know the truth is almost always found in that middle way yep. yeah yeah you know? the middle is where it's always at yeah the swirl you know yep it's just amazing how many people are out there that uh, I hate the government, but I sure do love my social security check. <laughs> right. And we need to stop all this spending. Right. But uh, my Medicaid yeah. needs to be funded completely. I mean, it's just, they've got these people so snowed. And once again, we're sort of that 60 and above that they're never going to change their mind. That's why Unless we can get the right chemical into them. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's funny that like discussions, whether they are political, whether they are religious, whether they're about anything, in almost any discussion I'm having, 
I can see how the person that I'm discussing with, even if I feel that they are overwhelmingly wrong, I can see how there's 10, 15, 20% in which they are completely right and they are making a good yep. point. The problem is that they start from that 10, 20% and take it so far off left field yep. that it becomes something else and it's not balanced. And so the point is, I'm not arguing against that 20%. You're totally right about that. But <laughs> balance it out a little earlier, okay? You're just... Mm, and that's the problem, that each one focus on their 10% and they go in radically opposite direction. Well, even no in academia, you know, academia is like that too. They have their thesis that they're going to defend to the death. Yep. And then anything else is completely and totally wrong. Absolutely. You know, outside of that. And it's just, that's not the truth. You know what I mean? And you see that time, time and time again and how how science and all these other disciplines move. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've studied philosophy, and you would see, you see these guys going back and forth, defending positions on opposite sides, and really they're both right. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> like just, exactly. Just, just hug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> I know. It's amazing when you study historically, when you look at the trends in academia or philosophy or something, and you see how it takes, like, decades of arguing back and forth and you're like really decades you guys could solve it in about five minutes because you are making a good point he's yeah. actually also making a good point and you're both morons because you're taking your good points so far to the extreme that you're losing any perspective yeah it's like come down a little that's another one of the biggest problems that frustrates me is you get these people who have you know a good point like a revolutionary <laughs> idea and they just take it too far yeah you know, yep, and yep. and I'm I'm actually I'm friends with with Alex Jones, and that would be mm -hmm. one of the things I would say about him. Like a lot of the stuff he's putting out there, like yes, good job. Oh, that's a little too much. Yeah, that's a little just right. a little too much, man. Just throttle that back. Yeah, yeah and guess yeah, what? Yeah. You'll then nobody can dismiss you. Right. You know what I mean? And you know I still appreciate what he's doing, but like, you know that that yeah. example just came to mind. But it's just. Go, you're doing good, 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 good. But if you go past this line, yeah. you're going to allow too much criticism to come in because it's getting on at least very shaky ground. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and it's like that with a lot of different people. People with, you know, I see it in a lot of different philosophies of shamanic traditions mm -hmm. and spiritual philosophies too. You know, they'll be like doing good, like, yes, very, you know, valuable pragmatic philosophy and then all of a sudden it's let's grab these crystals and extract energy using the points and i'm like no stop oh god <laughs> why well, you were, you just didn't have to go that you far you started so well and then you're selling the crystals on your yeah. website too oh no yeah. oh it's all unraveling yeah, it, but it's not really because they were right for most of it but the sure. problem is at the point like Let's say you give that book to, to Joe Rogan, right? He gets to the part and he's like, oh, yeah, extracting crystals that they sell with, you know, they're selling on their website. Yeah, like, exactly. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's bullshit. But yeah. it just makes it so the whole thing is invalidated. Yeah. You know, so I think that's a big problem that people have. They feel like, you know, they're so mad about everybody being wrong and, uh -huh. you know, them having a good point that they just take it to this Absolutely. next extreme that's just too far, like one step more than you need to go. In the academic thing, I see um, one of the things I regularly teach is American Indian history. And it's pretty hilarious in the whole American Indian history context because you had the old history was all, Indians are all a bunch of savages and, you know, this very white power approach to the teaching of it. Then it got flipped where it's like, Every single American Indian person ever was a spiritual, wonderful, in touch with nature. They can do no wrong. And every single European who ever came on is an evil motherfucker who did terrible things. And you're like, and anytime you don't fall in one of those two camps, 
if you go just people are confused and so when you write books you almost have to do them completely black or white because you have your ready-made audience Mm -hmm. and if you don't go there both sides hate you because it's like (laughs) both sides will be like wait you're saying all this great stuff about native cultures that's awesome but but wait you're introducing some complexity here you said that some natives fucked up their own environment that's you're a sellout you're and the problem is that most people are so most readers in that regard most consumer of culture are so they want a simple story that if you make it complex they'll go back to some simple version if you are Mm -hmm. trying to say horrible stuff that happened with genocide of american indians but yes not all natives were perfect and wonderful and there were some issues with the culture and there was this scene that was less than pleasant suddenly they go like well then screw it who cares if they all got killed it's like well they deserve it they are evil motherfuckers like no that's not it either you know it's it's tempting to go along those paths too because i find myself being tempted to go along that you know avatar navi people path with all the native americans and then we'll be rolling around in texas we actually looked at this you know this ranch land out there as a family and there was this home it's like oh yeah in this home there was um, I, we, we should disclose about this home. There was a, a family, and uh, the husband was away. It was a mother and his three daughters, and uh, some of the natives came in and you know brutally killed them inside this right. little farm home. And you're like, what? What happened <laughs> like, to Avatar? Right? What? Yeah. what? <laughs> you know, and it doesn't it doesn't make you're like it'll shock you in that sure. context. But you have to see, you know, that there was a there was a mix of a little bit of everything. You know, I mean I know some bands would have gone through and been like, ah, oh, it's just women and children, let's just fucking go on. But others, yeah, they were pissed, you know. So of course. women and children, screw it. You know? No, I know we're gonna torch them. That the nature of the business is complexity. If you mm-hmm. can deal with it, you have no business dealing with history or with life. Because life is not that simple good guys bad guys and it's not even that simple like then it's all relative and there is no such a thing as good and bad because that's the other cop-out right it's like if you break out of the dualistic absolute good absolute evil then it becomes we throw both out there is no such thing it's all relative and it's like that's an absolute too you are taking it to the extreme and missing the point yeah it's a very delicate game to be dancing on your tiptoes right there at the edge of the abyss where if you go one little bit too much one way you're gone. Well, I know the truth, and don't be teaching the story wrong, man. Everybody knows that when the when the pilgrims arrived, they helped the Indians learn to eat because they would have starved without their complex uh, growing styles that they brought from a. Completely That's why different... we have Thanksgiving. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. No, I mean the Indians thinking of people. I, we literally had a Boy Scout leader present that in front of us. Really? Wow. That's the craziest mad I've ever seen my wife before being a good chunk of Cherokee. She jumped up and she's like, that's it! But you're right. There's plenty of folks who just sit there and lap it up. And, okay, that's what it has to say. Engines saved by pilgrims. Give me my A. And off you go. Yeah. No, it's it's bizarre. It's terrifying. But that's, again, that's why it's not even about a specific issue. It's not about your religion. It's not about politics. It's not about any one specific thing is a mindset it's a mindset that is what you were referring to the binary system this idea mm-hmm. that there's one approach and there's the opposite and there's nothing in between and you just have to pick the right one and reject the bad one and then life is simple and it's like that's the problem that then it manifests itself in religion in politics in academia in whatever the hell in anything you do it manifests itself once that disease gets inside of you and you start processing life that way and you're completely missing life which is that 
weavy complex yin yangy dancing a little this way but balancing back the other way but which is where it's at well that's you know that's exactly the warrior poet philosophy you know that's what i've what i've kind of identified myself with just as a moniker because that's right. the symbol yeah. you know it's the, the warrior and the poet the two opposites coming together to give the full richness of life that's you know, why deny yourself all, yeah. all the other all the other shit you know find the truth find balance and i think you know one of the key concepts is if you're going to be a force for balance mm-hmm. you know if you're going to try to balance things out you better know both sides you know Absolutely. what i mean yeah because being a balancing force and just being polarized completely on one side and only knowing that yeah you're not going to be very effective no you know i mean these these spiritual new agey people who are you know they're not going to be effective in talking to someone who's a wall street stockbroker mm-hmm. you know just because they don't know that person right. they don't know the motivations they don't know what they're going through same with vice versa you know you're not going to you know you're not going to be able to talk to these you know commune kind of natural earthy people about organizing and getting sustainable nonprofits through different business sources if they don't have some of that you know in them as well so it's just going to be you got to have a little bit of both to make a difference you know so being a balanced person means having that full range Mm -hmm. and then being able to decide which part fits in to create you know which which puzzle piece which key unlocks the best result towards balance Right, because if all you can do is you talk to your audience, you are from the ghetto, and all you can do is talk to people who are from the ghetto. You are from a nerdy intellectual crowd, and that's all you can do. Yeah, maybe you're a nice person, maybe sweet, but you're very limited. It's like being able to speak uh, one language in a town where 300 languages are spoken. You're going to talk to three people, and everybody else is going to perceive wrongly what you're up to you know and uh, that ability to trans to translate to be able to take some concepts but speak their language in a way that they will understand mm-hmm. knowing what it means to look at the world from their point of view that's what it's all about otherwise you know you can say the smartest thing in the world you say it in the wrong language nobody's gonna understand you yeah. you know and that's that's why the warrior poet thing is the ultimate you know that's a perfect Taoist concept right there is about that combining those two opposite energies and on that actually one thing when i know you are coming on one of the main thing that i was thinking about mm-hmm. this stuff is uh, speaking of a duality one that i'm curious to get your take on the majority of people who are sweet and nice and spiritual and whatever they are also tend to be very flaky they tend to be not particularly organized not particular they are not the guys who are going to be be able to run a business who are going to be able to run you know they're going to be very la 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 mm-hmm. go with the flow somewhat on the lazy end in that regard and and then you get the people who are practically minded the one who are efficient the one who are effective and more often than not they are dead inside you know they are mm-hmm. perfect machines they get stuff done if you want to get stuff done you go to them but they have no vision they have no heart they have no they get stuff done but what they are getting done is messed up you mm-hmm. know because the there's no core there and there seems to be lacking so it's like again that duality where you either have the people who are pragmatic and efficient or the people who are dreamy and artsy and lost in their own inner world both yeah. have a strength there but clearly you know there's a limit there's a very obvious limit there 
the reason why I bring it up is because, of course, I know, you know, I know you would agree with me about the need, the desperate need to be combining both, mm-hmm. to need both talents. My question in that regard is applied to this idea of uh, changing the world, I guess, applied to this idea of where are we going as a species, all the dramatic conditions that we're facing politically, religiously, environmentally. How do we go about combining the stability, the efficiency to be able to make some dramatically badly needed changes happen with the heart and the vision and the passion and the artistic quality that go with the opposite side? There seems to be so few people who have both. So this is my, again, Aubrey Marcos for president (laughs) pitch. Well, I think that one of the issues is is that there's going to be people who naturally have a proclivity to one side or the Mm -hmm. other. And so there's going to be people who lean towards one way and people who lean towards the other way. The problem is that there's no structure in place to try and, you know, you're always going to have people who are leaning one direction or the other. So the the people who are very kind of machine-like and wrote... They're the ones who need desperately to have some opportunity to do some kind of mindfulness training, some kind of psychedelic experience, something that's going to bring them at least at least that little circle in the yin yang, you know, right. the black inside the white, the white yeah. inside the black, at least a little nugget of the other side. They're still not going to be a perfectly balanced person. Sure. You know? And then on the other side, the same thing. Those they need to, you know, play competitive sports or have a challenge. It used to be, you know, these kind of adventures and wars and hunting and sure. there was these things that everybody kind of had to participate in <clears throat> that would give the the other side this kind of nugget of strength and that kind yep. of young energy mm-hmm. that 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 was there. So without those things actually being kind of that prevalent and being encouraged there's going to be more radical imbalance. But mm-hmm. there was always going to be some imbalance. And then there was going to be some few who could really swing both directions, who could be, you know, help lead and help guide and help form balance in that that different way. But I think part of the biggest issue is, is that what would reinforce that type of behavior was the formation of, of tribe. Right. And so you have a tribe of 100 people, let's say, and, you know, you're all working together. So some people on the more spiritual side, you lean to them for their mastery of spiritual, you know, guidance sure. and, and running the the sustainable gardens and all the things that they could be really good at, handling the music and the art, organizing yeah. that. And then you have the other people in the tribe that are organizing the um, whatever, defense of the tribe and procuring new resources and different matters like that. But you all come together at a festival and dance right. and drink, you know, drink and take peyote or whatever you want to do. And it all works together because the tribe is working together as a unit. Right. And then you have, again, some of those people in the middle that can swing either side, mediate between the two and make sure everything stays smooth. So what I think some of the biggest problem is, is that these people, you know, there's no tribes anymore, so these right. natural these natural affinities that would happen just by proximity. Some people, you know, that's not happening. You end up getting in these polarized groups where you're just with like-minded people. So right. Wall Street is just with Wall Street, and you know, a commune out in Costa Rica is just with the commune out in Costa Rica. Right. And there's not this cross-pollination for a mutual cause that's mm-hmm. that's going to work. And that was one of the things I talked to. Chris Ryan about and after reading Sex at Dawn even more than the you know kind of sexual ideas that came through which are of course mm-hmm. are really powerful was the idea of 
how much we miss not having a tribe. Yeah. And a tribe that can communally help raise kids. Yep. You know, so if you have one of these completely young parents, you know, you can spend a little time with the with the hippie parents down yep. the way and spend a week and they'll help raise you. And you start to get some different ideas. But the association with the same group is I think a big problem. So if somehow you could form these kind of, and you'd have to do it, I don't know how it'd be done, but technology would have to play a big part because we can't do it via location very easily anymore. Right. But some kind of tribal organization where you're getting people from both sides together and working for a communal goal, I think that would be the most powerful unit. You know, develop one of these, sequentially these units of a hundred of mixed bag of different people, that could be really powerful. Yeah, that's to me is one of the one of the many big challenges of the 21st century of the future is combining the two because it's about the beauty of the modern world is globalization is you're not stuck with just the hundred people that you're born around in the little village where no new ideas show up where there's that conformity the pressure to conform to mm -hmm. what the because that's the darker side of tribalism is you're stuck in the group and certain right. ideals are enforced on everybody more or less directly So there's an enormous beauty in tribe on one way, and then there was the downfall. The beauty of globalization is the opposite. You get access to so many different ideas. You can connect on Skype or whatever with somebody across the world. You have access, and you can touch also on a global level. You can put uh, a podcast out that thousands of people listen to in places that you're never even going to see physically. That's amazing. The downside is everybody goes back to their little home in their nuclear family, mother, father, kids, and there's none of that tribal element in day-to-day -day life. You know, the best you can do is talk to people on the net from across the world. That's a very poor substitute for a tribe as in something that you you meet each other on a regular basis. You eat together. You have, you know, experiences that you share that go deeper. There's mm -hmm. just no way about it. So to me, the challenge is how do you combine both? You know, today technology offers us the chance to have the globalization aspect, to be able to connect with people from across the world, to be able to expose to a bunch of ideas that you never would be if you just live in your little commune in a context somewhere. And at the same time, we need to break out of the purely nuclear family where everybody's isolated. You don't know, you don't know and you don't care for the people who live next to you because you have nothing in common or whatever that may be where we can create even at a physical level in some way a sense of community because that i mean part of the problem is technology can only go so far there has to be a face-to-face -face interaction there yeah. has to be things you do together things that you experience together not just we talk to each other once in a while and man you have amazing ideas oh i can click with you yeah but we never see each other you know and then we we don't really it's a potential connection it's a cool ethereal connection but yeah. it's not a experience-driven tribal thing. Well, it happens in places too, but I mean, there's so few exchange students versus how many hundreds of thousands of exchange students with AR-15s we send around the world, you know? <laughs> and it just leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And wouldn't that be an amazing world where if everybody did go spend a year abroad, I mean, nothing would, nothing would change your view of the world more than if you spend a year in somebody else's shoes in Kenya or Costa Rica or, or wherever. No, and that's perfect for the globalization aspect of it all, having boots on the ground in that sense, more than just being on the net. But then also, um, when you come back home, who do you live next to? Right. What is the... So in that sense, I'm fascinated with the possibility. I don't know if it's feasible or not. I have no idea if it can or cannot work. I don't necessarily foresee all the downfalls. 
by the idea of having a semi-tribal community and at the same time having this access to travel and going places and, and don't we have like a tiny amount of <coughs> passports in the world it's like 20% or something or in, in the United States it's really kind of a ridiculously low, right. low and number that's, and that's the part about the, the travel and the experience yeah, I agree. Yeah. and that's sad I agree absolutely what you're, what you're talking about that's something that I'm really kind of keen on trying mm-hmm. to sort out and it would be <clears throat> it would be a really cool thing if we could start to build that back in so let's mm-hmm. say you have you know gatherings every every quarter so mm-hmm. you know every few months you have actual physical gatherings maybe you have some kind of initiation processes the tribe could set up its own program its own rules but then you know in that tribe you have some kind of communal bank account that you contribute what you mm-hmm. comfortably can and if and you just trust the people to kind of and you have kind of goals that you're trying to achieve and different things and you could rely on this in a virtual sense for most of the year but then kind of come together and celebrate this this kind of experience and i think that would be really valuable because this kind of the charity for i think with with even the charity and the magnanimity it's it's difficult to give money to millions at large you just feel like what the fuck where's it going it disappears into the ether and it's hard. It's harder yeah. to do. You do it just because you think it makes sense. But if there's a hundred people who you know them and you know their story and you trust them and you know right. if they had it, they would do the same. Yeah, it's easy. Uh-huh. You know, it's easier in that sense to do it. And it wouldn't have. It can develop a weird dynamic on a total one-to-one level too, because then there's this indebtedness, and then there's. Um, but the idea of having a group of seventy-five people or whatever that were, you know, really aligned, different, completely different backgrounds. Some were financially successful, some were not, but each right. had something powerful to contribute, and you know, setting a goal, and it would be really a beautiful thing to be able to be a part of that somehow, and how to do that. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a maybe it's a organization of some kind of social network thing, and then you just set up your own kind of rituals and ideas and and what it would take. But I would I would ask you, what do you think? In order to trust these people in the tribe to an, to an infinite degree, what kind of rituals do you think you'd have to bring in? Because that's part of tribalism too. Sure. There has to be these things that bring the tribe together yep. you know and some it's very extreme like putting your hand in a glove full of stinging ants right and laid out in excruciating pain for two days not a lot of people are going to be signing up for that tribe right. you're not going to have some empty empty lines in that but we that do bathroom. trust that cat <laughs> you do yeah he's sure. in <laughs> right so so what do you think how do you think you could kind of set that up what would you uh, what would you think for that what would be kind of the necessary initial requirements well i like the idea that you're putting forward of just having not that you have to live together all year long but because life is complicated in that regard and mm-hmm. people that you can connect with maybe live in very different parts of the country and so on but having that sort of gathering of the tribe you are having that week month whatever when people come together and you have this face-to-face experience behind it all that's that's a very good alternative or maybe not even alternative maybe you can find a way and make it a priority to live close to your super close friends who are in town make that a priority when you pick where you want to live in a town Mm -hmm. be able to live within reasonable distance from the people you care and love so that you do have those face-to-face experiences more often with at least a core group Mm -hmm. and then with everybody else having this idea of having the once a year twice a year whatever that may be that interaction where it's your 
you experience something together. You're not just talking on uh, you know, remotely with each other. And then what you do when you're there, that's the creative aspect of inventing new rituals, the things that bring you together mm-hmm. on one level, and then what do you want to do with it? You know, once those things do bring you together and you do create the experience, then w- where is that energy going to go? What, what kind of transformation right. are you going to try to... What dragon are you going to slay? Absolutely, exactly. Yeah. But as far as the ritual thing, I yeah, I know exactly what you mean because I had I remember having these pretty bizarre experiences for a while. Speaking of American Indian stuff, in the I think it was 1994, the first time I ever went out to South Dakota and hang out and went to a Sundance, and then I went for like I think seven years straight every summer, right? Mm-hmm. And it was strange because on one end any avatar notion one may have is quickly dispelled by the reality on the ground of like, look, there's enormous amount of poverty, alcoholism and crime and all of the crap that goes with poor reservations the way as any poor ghetto would be. Right. And at the same time, without denying any of that, there's an enormously powerful sense of community that has a beautiful aspect to it. It doesn't have just the dark one. The ugly side and the amazing side live right next to each other, often in the same individuals, and you're dealing with both constantly. But just because clearly one would like to lessen the ugly side and try to get rid of as much as possible of the unpleasant side effects and focus on the good, but the good is amazing. It's something that you don't get anywhere. That Mm -hmm. sense of community, of a real face-to-face community that has been through experience that has rituals that it's a powerful thing. You know, you see these guys who get together regularly to have their sweat lodges. Once a year you go for the Sundance, you know, some seriously powerful stuff this is not a ritual like something that made sense 2000 years ago and it's been passed along because that's what you're supposed to but nobody cares everybody's bored they go to the church and they're like i guess we're supposed to but whatever it doesn't feel <laughs> like you don't yeah, feel they're, like they're feeling it when it's going <clears throat> and i think an element of it would have to be something physical the body has to come into play because nothing experienced by definition is not just somebody talking about something that's pleasant and that it has its place but there also has to be a physical component to it all where you sweat together you dance together you hunt together you do something where there's a more primal level of communication taking place there where when you connect you're not just connecting intellectually you're connecting on another level you do martial arts together. You do mm-hmm. something where there's another level yoga if you're not into punching people in the face. You know, something <laughs> where it can be very mellow and pleasant. It can be intense and adrenaline, but it's about connecting on a level that's deep. Well, not necessarily deeper, on a different level than the intellectual one. And that's just as necessary to create a real connection yeah. as purely just sitting around and talking forever. Because that gets boring, you know, if all we do is we get together, gathering of the tribe, and once a year we sit around and talk all the time, no, after a while it's like... Yeah, you got to push through something difficult. That's why being on these sports teams is, you know, something that's very powerful and akin yeah. to this. You know, if you guys are going through, and coaches do this intentionally, you go through these grueling practices where your coach makes you get up at 5.30 in the morning, yeah, and it just days. fucking sucks. And you go in for two hours and sweating and you know gasping till you puke after after running suicides right you know and you're all in that together you start to trust each other yep. and you start to all of these different ego pieces start to you know dissolve a little bit and yep. i think that is certainly a, a powerful component so if you combine something physical like you said with something you know powerfully spiritual whatever that is um 
you know, you can obviously get there through enough dance, this kind of trance, trancey mm-hmm. state through dance or through a psychedelic experience of some sort or something, combining this overcoming this physical aspect together and then experiencing, you know, whatever that force is out there together at the same time. I think it could be immensely powerful and you just come together to kind of do these rituals and, then, uh, and then have a goal that you're working towards all year. And I, man, I think that would, you know, if everybody was a part of that, you mm-hmm. know, and no person left behind, that would be really powerful at that point, you know, especially. And, uh, and I think it could make some ways. I think it would just scratch an itch that we have yeah. un, you know, unsatisfied and unquenched inside ourselves. Yeah. That it's really constantly bothering that, you know, even if we have friends and, and different people, there's not that kind of bonding that you get from these type of situations that a soldier gets in war or an athlete gets with his team absolutely and to some degree it's really about spending 24 hours multiple times like days weeks together every minute of the day you know when you camp together somewhere when you are sharing the same you know the basics you wake up and you see the faces around you you eat together you you know all the daily stuff it's not just we see each other for three hours at one point where everybody put forward our best face we talk about the cool things that we're into you know that's fun as its place but it's a limit i don't really get to know you to the same level as if i hang out with you for a week camping in the middle of nature (laughs) you know it's like there's a different you that emerges that may not always be the most pleasant you but it once we both accept it once we both get there and understand it there's a much deeper connection that can emerge we can also probably kill each other along the way or try to (laughs) but if we get over it and we don't then the connection is 10 times deeper than it was before well until you've experienced the summertime square dancing maypole for 14 hours (laughs) um, you haven't joined the tribe yet so (laughs) I I do think it would get complicated though square dancing oh my god putting my ritual together it's gonna be awesome man but the problem you would have it would almost like see dough and grab your partner. <laughs> you want to get to know somebody, you're going to smell those bastards by the time you're done. So, uh, yeah. Wouldn't there be a bit of a, each tribe, it would almost be like draft day when new people, you know, God, we need three hippies and a sociopath uh, <laughs> Wall Street guy this year, guys. We're just not going to be uh, in any way competitive with the other tribes. <laughs> and off it would go, you know. And I think it's funny what you were saying, though. Uh, this comedy duo came out of Britain about... I guess six weeks ago, and they came through L.A., and they were doing this thing called Sunday Assembly, and it was a church without God. You know, we can be good without God, and hundreds of people showed up to get that sort of singing the songs. I hate to word, use the word fellowship because it's been so horrifically um, stolen away, but that's what folks were looking for, and they had a great time, and they all probably had brunch afterwards and got a that sense of community that they were missing. So I think there's a, taste a of real it. hunger a taste for it. it. Yeah. But I think as Daniele was saying, you know, to really get the full meal, you got to go out somewhere. And, well, you know, I'm with you. Yeah. Can't being be comfortable. On, being on the land, spending time together, definitely. And it's, and about the ritual thing, it's probably good to have multiple mm-hmm. because back to the language thing, somebody may not, it doesn't speak to them if it's about dancing around the tree for 10 hours and going into this ecstatic dance experience. Some people will be drawn to it. Other people, they may be drawn to the ideas behind everything, but that particular language doesn't click with them. Yeah. Somebody's into yoga, that kind of a relationship with the body will do it for them. If you put them in a MMA kind of training, they are going to be turned off. So having different tastes, having different experiences that put the accent in different directions so that 
each individual can choose. I love these people, but that thing, yeah, not mine. But right. I'll do the other three things with them. That's fine. Well, but wouldn't know. it be good for them to even just try it? You know, yes, even absolutely. in a non-dangerous level, you know, like the those hardcore macho guys, it'd be good for them to do a little yoga. And the yoga it, guys, it'd be good for them to roll around a little jujitsu, yep. you know? I completely agree. I think it's easier if you rather than just saying this is what we're gonna do, is no, you do your thing, but you see the other people doing their thing next to it. And after right. a while, if in the meantime you're having lunch, you get along, you have fun, you start hearing them talking about why their practice, what it does for them, then the curiosity of like, huh, maybe one hard to try it, you know? <laughs> maybe it doesn't. That's where the peyote sprinkles will come in handy at lunchtime. Right. Whereas <laughs> when if you are in your own home and somebody tells you, there's going to be this gathering and we're going to do this thing, you're like, fuck that. I don't want that thing. <laughs> if that just doesn't make, it's yeah, not yeah. my language. Yeah, you you're know? here. Might as well jump in. Yeah. So it's like, you get it there and you make the option open and you create all the conditions and then you're like, hey, come on in. Just jump on. Try. If you don't like it, just leave. You know, it's fine. And... Um, but yeah, that's um, I'm fascinated with that. I'm really fascinated. Likewise, and uh, I think it, I think now we've talked about it enough. We're gonna have to do, some, do things, so we have to All take right, some action. June seventeenth, <laughs> meet us in the desert. We'll be fourteen miles outside of Reno near the big tree. You'll know it's when you smell us. Right, <laughs> that should be our tagline. Yeah, that's it. But you know, I'm not gonna let us off the hook. Going back to the you, because you said it. You know, we've been talking about it long enough. What mm-hmm. now? What now? What do you think? You know, in terms of this idea of having the gathering, the tribal element with all the place where we get together, the what do you do? What are your ideas about that? <coughs> well, I'm keen. I'm a person of action. You know, I right. think deeds are more powerful than words. And I would love to find a way to kind of set this up. And mm-hmm. I think... Um, Obviously, there's a way to do it in kind of a retreat style where you can get people kind of exposed to certain ideas and create this larger tribe. But to really have that coercive effect, you know, based on the research of Dunbar's number, you know, you got to have kind of your own band a little bit, you know. And like Burning Man, I think, is an effective gathering of different similar ideas. But at the end of the day, it's 50,000 people. Right. You know, you have something that bonds you together, but you don't still have that real tribal community that you can rely on. Um, throughout that so yeah i think really kind of pushing ahead in uh in both fronts expanding the tribe at large but then finding a way to uh, kind of like a blueprint for anybody who's interested i mean obviously you can't force this on anybody but anybody who's interested to find a blueprint of how to you know build your own tribe right and and this is kind of what we recommend you can gather anywhere it doesn't have to be some extravagant place you know but the idea is that you get a group of like-minded people together by you know you can count on each other and, and rely on each other in hard times and good times. You have a, a goal and just kind of make this easy enough so it's not this just purely ephemeral idea because, you know, we lost, I think Chris Ryan makes a great point of it, we lost a lot of who we are and, you know, when agriculture came and yep. we're into hoarding our resources and protecting everything from women to grain to cattle to money to whatever whatever the hell it is instead of just communally procuring enough for everybody to eat. Absolutely. But you can't procure enough for six billion people to no. eat. You know, so you gotta you gotta take care of your swath, you know, and I think um, finding a way to kind of make that happen would be really cool and right. really powerful and it could be one of those things that really you know takes off and makes an impact yeah and i mean you can always add but definitely you have to start 
somewhat small. It has to be a face-to-face thing because yeah. you need to be able to get to know some people during that period of time. And you know, you're not going to do it with 3,000 people. It's too many. There are just too many people. You're not going to have the physical time to yeah. connect with that many people. But anywhere from the 10 to 200 range, there's mm-hmm. something there where that's a community. That's a face-to-face community. You, you recognize 200 people after a while. You remember so-and-so said that after a while. More than that, good luck. It's just too many people. You don't. Uh, but yeah, I'm okay. We'll have to. We'll have we got, to continue we gotta this conversation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we got conversation. We got to get out into planning stage and, now. And the idea is there. Now yeah. we need to move to planning stage, and that's and why I brought it up with you. This idea where I started with this notion of practical aspect with a visionary aspect, because again, back to the warrior poet concept. So many people have only one or the other. And the ones who can make stuff like this happen, what they are gonna do is, I don't want to be part of it, right? Because right, right, they are right. like, there's no vision. Pepsi presents, right? Yeah. The ones that have visions are never gonna get their act together to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so that combination of, which is ultimately the fact that you are so big into it, that's what I'm like. Hey, man, Marcus has some really <laughs> cool thing. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's that idea of. Uh, combining there where you're not just satisfied talking about oh let's have the brilliant vision or right let's purely get stuff done because we want money or we want something you know that so you're in charge <laughs> <laughs> all right i will take it i'll take it it's it's something that i you know i know it'll enrich even if it doesn't spread it's even going down that process and right. learning there'll be a lot of lessons learned knowledge gained fun had yep. um even if it's a you know dramatic failure yeah. and a total catastrophe it'll still be a worthwhile endeavor so i'm i'm in i'm going to sort it out and the lessons you know lessons obviously that we learn along the way pass along and see if anybody else uh, anybody else is interested you know one thing we're playing with that we're actually going to record when we do the um, by the time we had this conversation, we probably have already released an episode that we haven't recorded yet about the um, creating your own school. Like it started as an idea a little bit ago mm-hmm. that we we're tossing around about. Think about all the time you spent in school. If you could instead rewrite the curriculum, decide how you spend all that time, what would you put in it? What kind of rituals, knowledge, uh, disciplines, where would you put all that time? in many ways to me is very much related to what we're talking about right now because once you decide to have this event this gathering this what do you do in it and in many ways to me goes back to taking a blank piece of paper and jotting down every single thing that you can think of that you consider very essential and wonderful to learn about as a tool to enrich the rest of your life and of course, you know, 80% of these things are not feasible for the time being or for that particular context or for whatever. But then you start isolating what the core ideas are, what the core things are that you can focus on and then build the gathering event ritual around mm-hmm. those things. So you talk, are you thinking about creating an actual school or just no. talking about kind of revising the revising the curriculum a little bit and tweaking. Because I, I think about that, too, because obviously, you know, you, you wrote the book Create Your Own Religion, right. which I think was brilliant. But the more the, the, time, the so. more <laughs> the more that you buy into these pre-made structures, right. they're just going to leave you wanting something yep. else. You know, so the more you can customize them, because they're slow to move. Yep. I mean, all of these academic, 
you know, textbooks and all these things. There's a whole economics and even the oh, textbooks yeah. themselves. Absolutely. You know, so the more that you can kind of customize and be fluid and be nimble as far as, you know, providing the best information, the better. Yeah. You know, and so I definitely have a lot of thoughts about that. And, and you see that in the great teachers. Right. You know what I mean? There's the great teachers that you remember from school. They have their curriculum. You get you get done what you need to get done, and right. that just so you can pass whatever standardized test. But really, what makes it interesting is the paths they take you outside of the standard curriculum. Absolutely. I mean, you remember those people forever. You're absolutely correct. I mean, some of the best teachers were the ones that it wasn't the subject; it's they taught you how to learn and how to enjoy learning and how to make it interactive and not just sitting there blah blah yeah. blah, blah, blah writing days down. Those are the ones who were always my favorite. Right, and the thing is, nobody's gonna put us in charge of tomorrow. The three of you guys are going to be the great gods of education, and you get to rewrite the school curriculum in the United States. It's like, yeah, thank you. That's not gonna happen. Texas so, will not like that. Right. So the thing is, to me, playing this utopic exercise of thinking, what are all the amazing things that one could and would want to learn to enrich the quality of life and then figure out how to apply them in a context like what we are talking about you know you have the summer gathering of people that Uh are like-minded and you have classes you have experience again classes sound bad because it sounds like one guy who's lecturing to everybody else you have guides i guess who Uh lead you through an experience that then you can bring back into your day-to-day life and it may mean somebody who then pick up uh, whatever particular, whether it's uh, massage, martial arts, philosophy, you name it, you know, but something that you sort of sprinkle the seeds there that then you can take back to the rest of your life and see how they bloom. And uh, so that to me, I guess, is the practical aspect of this utopic exercise, because again, nobody's going to put me in charge of an actual school (laughs) tomorrow. So how do I apply to reality beside the fact that you, if you do all that and you list those things, you're never going to be bored again because yeah. whenever you're bored, it's like, well, there are 17,000 things that I want to learn that are so cool that would help me. Let's get on with those. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. You know, you still learn things. I, I just read an article last night from, and it was published in 1988. Mm-hmm. And to me, it contains some of the most pertinent information I've ever heard. So inside this article... It talks about people with multiple personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And one of these personalities in, in this example, in this documented example, one of these personalities, a person who has about 12, his name is Timmy. Mm-hmm. Timmy can drink orange juice all day, no problem. But if any one of the other 11 personalities drinks orange juice, they break out in hives. Wow. The body breaks out in hives. So it's the same body. Same body. Yeah, the, but, wow. So, and, and then as soon, so, and then if Timmy, so if somebody else has hives and then Timmy takes over, the hives immediately start to dissipate. The wow. fluid starts to leave. And he's like, well, I'm fucking Timmy. I'm not allergic to that shit. You know, and there's multiple examples of that, of one personality got into a fight, took a hard shot to the eye, and there was some nerve damage. And so his eye is a little screwed up. The other personality that didn't get in that fight when that happened, the eye's fine. Wow. You know, it didn't happen. So you get these things, and it just shows you how powerful the actual subconscious mind and belief really is. This was published in 1988. I just learned about that now. That should be information that people get like, hey, the mind has incredible power over what's happening even to the body. Basic tenets like that you know, that I think are are getting missed by people at large, you know, and information that's just, hey, let's do something with this. Or like the, the 
quantum entanglement is oh, another one. Oh, that's my favorite. You know, and and that information is you kind of have to go out on the fringe to get, but that's again for the people who don't aren't aware. That's where you have two linked photons, mm-hmm. and you can put one on one side of the world, one on the other side of the world, and if you do something to manipulate the direction the photons going on one, the other will instantaneously wow. go that same direction faster than the speed of light, instantaneously. So what does that mean? Yeah. That means there's some other connecting force yep. beyond Newtonian physics right. that's allowing that to happen. Little things like that that make people go, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think though even those things alone would kind of change the way that, that people think. And I think that's important you right. know, to not get stuck in these boxes. And the more you can do that, the better. And then, you know, go. it frustrates me how everything has to be old and vetted and mm-hmm. and things like that like uh one of my favorite authors is robert green and yeah. he wrote a recent book called mastery we had him on uh, uh you did month, great month, yeah great so why i mean if kids could read that <clears throat> in high school you right know how much better off they would be yep. than all the other shit like practically that book is gives you a blueprint yep. of how to achieve what you ultimately want to achieve absolutely and it's very practical in that sense it's not purely theoretical there's an element of it that gives you some direct ideas of how you can apply those concepts to gain mastery over yourself first and foremost and whatever field you are deciding to get into that was my aimless 19 year old's christmas present for me (coughs) was that book great gift great gift and some of the other thing you know stephen pressfield's war of art some of these things that are you know maybe eventually in 40 years they'll be considered for academia right Right. but this is new shit this is the shit that's coming out on the cutting edge that's really powerfully helpful yep you know and it'll never make it into a school Mm -hmm. and that's that's frustrating absolutely because i mean the process is um as you put it earlier the um, mainstream is gonna get there only after there's enough push from other direction that eventually that's already becoming mainstream and so you know when the politicians will jump on it or the religion organization will jump on it or that's when the change is not going to start from those organizations those organizations are about holding on to what exists not about innovation not about trying something new but the change is if there's enough change happening around then eventually the bandwagon become big enough that people jump on it organization jump on it the culture jump on it yeah but that's where you can't expect it to come from there you know it's like i don't think it's just the very nature of uh, established fields is not to lead innovation no innovation ever come from inside academia no innovation ever come from inside you know those are not places because they are not designed for that Mm -hmm. they are designed to maintain control have you know anytime you set up an institution by definition institutions don't innovate that just innovation is the crazy guy outside now there are plenty of crazy guys who do crazy shit that doesn't go anywhere and that's where there's a reason why they are considered crazy and then there are the crazy guys who are geniuses who are the ones that crazy because they are just not doing the mediocre typical path but not really crazy crazy in the sense that they have a vision that's different from what exists and they can taste it they can smell it they can feel it and they are itching to putting it into practice and that's where they open a whole new door that long long after that will become more mainstream mm-hmm. that's the nature of the business that's why master is really interesting in that regard because he brings example after example after yep. example of these guys who the way they become great is not by following the established path right is they are in a field where it's kind of stale 
the existing knowledge is just looking at its own navel over and over again and <laughs> not, not coming up with anything new. And these are sort of these weird, unorthodox characters who have enough understanding of the basics of the field, but yet have enough visions not to be domesticated and can make it happen. It's beautiful. Like the Leonardo da Vinci story that mm -hmm. Robert Greene goes into a lot in uh, Mastery is brilliant. Yeah. Like Einstein too, you know, yeah. people who don't quite fit the standard curriculum, they were not properly really educated in the standard way, but they have something else. And yeah, you know, I, I talked to some people who are like 24, they've taken a year and a half of school and 25 and they've worked in some different jobs and like, yeah, yeah, I, I really just got to get back to school and get my degree. Uh, why? Right. You know, I, so you can get more debt, right. you know, and yeah. I was like, what books. is that? What is that going to really do for you? Well, once I have the degree, you know, I was like, no one cares. Right. I mean, not really. Nope. Yeah, it's a little box that you can check sure. for some really annoying jobs that you don't want anyways. <laughs> but really what people want to see is that you've been excellent at something. You've right. been great at whatever it is you're at to. You know, I'll take a person who is great at, you know, shuffleboard and and juggling you know right. if they were really great i was like well they were great at those two things you know i'm sure i can make them great at something else right Trainable. rather than getting a degree in business administration yeah. or some random shit like that which is just going to be basic that they follow directions and basically can keep their shit together for long enough to stay in school so yeah i mean i think uh thinking outside the box and just really focusing on what can elevate you is way more important. Because yeah, what's yeah. available online now is so incredible. I mean, you can take master level computer science classes from Yale and Harvard that yep. they just put online. Or right. I don't know if, if you're familiar with Khan Academy at all. It's one of my sure. favorite things mm -hmm. that you really can get that education and not have to pay for it. Yeah, I mean, the education thing, in fact, the degree aspect is tricky because there are jobs yes. where you do need the stupid, you know, you jump through the hoops, here is your right. piece of paper kind of thing. But also those things are tricky because the economics have changed you know it was one thing where it was about wasting some time and jumping through hoops to get something that could actually be useful for your career now where in order to get to the piece of paper where it's all to be seen whether it's going to be useful or not you have to incur massive amounts of debt now even the economics no longer makes sense because it's like yeah, maybe you make more and you get a more stable job, but is it worth it? Because by the time you're out, you have so much debt that you have to spend the next 20 years repaying it. In some cases, it is worth it. In some mm -hmm. cases, it's not. And that's why it's not just a simple, yes, do it or no, don't do it. It's like, think about it really well for your specific case, for what you want to do. And does that really, is that a sacrifice that's worth it in terms of money and time? Or not really you're just getting you know some standard not for what you learn because we agree that what you learn is crap for the you know that paper does it open really the doors that need to be open and does it make it worth it on every level economically but more importantly on a personal level or you're just jumping through hoops to jump through more hoops to jump through more mm -hmm. hoops in a way that keeps you tied to a game that really leads you nowhere and that's a question that nobody can answer for you other than you sure. really sitting down and figuring out where you want to go. But again, it takes that moment to reflect, stop that causal <coughs> chain that's yep. telling you and all the pressures that are out there and say, what is best for me? Yep. Is this going to yield the best outcome or is it not going to mm -hmm. yield the best outcome? And, you know, that's a question you got to you got to sort out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have like when 
when I was in college, I always thought this is crap. And I still think that was crap. But I also I was thinking this is crap in terms of the stupid degree. Really, I'm never going to need it, you know. And the reality is the only reason why I had to stay in college because Italy had a mandatory military service that you can only defer as long as you are in school. And Italy military service was a ultimate waste of time, right? It's not that you learn any skill. It's not yeah. like you, they park you there. They make you march for a year. That's about it, you know, so complete waste of time so i'm like fuck that i'm not doing that i'll uh, i guess i'll stay in school you know and i didn't like school either but at least he wasn't marching for a year with a bunch of ugly guys so i was like (laughs) okay that's just and then eventually turned out that actually i did need the stupid degree because i started teaching in college and Mm -hmm. i was like you know what in that scenario it works but it did not being for that reason there really would have been no purpose for me to get the degree because most other jobs that I would have wanted, most other careers I would have wanted didn't really require that. And in that sense, then that would have been a huge waste of time. So it's tricky, you know, it's really think about it, think your options, think truly if that's where it lead in, where it can open doors or not. Because yes, it may open doors that you didn't even think of, but maybe it's just a big freaking waste of time. Yeah, the one with the sixty thousand dollar debt attached to it. Exactly. Yeah. The one thing that it will always do, which is I think useful, is it'll teach you to do shit you don't want to do and deliver it on a deadline. (laughs) You know, which is some something you need to learn about life at a certain certain point. But other than that, I mean, sometimes you get good class, but it just depends. Yeah. And and especially in kind of the upper level classes, you can pick and choose. And I had some, you know, I had a great experience in right. university. I'm glad I did it, even though that degree never actually meant anything for me. I was right. always on the entrepreneurial path anyways. Um, but I'm certainly glad I did it. I don't regret it in any way. But, uh, but you know, it's just, it is a little bit, you know, definitely worth reflection. And yep. Definitely something you got to kind of take a look and, mm-hmm. and do. And, you know, when you're in there. People get so worried. Unless you're going to be an accountant, then you need an accounting degree or whatever. Right. Otherwise, just do shit that's really interesting yep. to you. You know, these kind of you see all these communications degrees. What does that mean? Right. You know, like oh, what? I know. Do what you want to do. Yep. You know, like go take that weird, interesting class that's yep. on the fringe that you'll remember forever. That'll expose you to some thinking that you wouldn't have gotten exposed to. I ended up with a minor in Latin just because I kept liking the teachers <laughs> right. and these yeah. stories about these. Ancient Roman armies that would you know, in the battles and and I could I could hardly translate shit I I don't know how I got away with this but I I could kind of I knew the vocabulary and I could kind of piece it together and when it came to essay time to talk about the large macro yeah. forces I could just kill it right but I couldn't translate shit I, know. I, <laughs> I got a, I, I got a minor in Latin yeah yeah you yeah. know so it was and I that was some of the stuff I remember the most you know still the stories that I tell that and of course I got my degree in philosophy and there's some interesting stuff there. Some terrible stuff there too. Of course, I mean, the whole epistemology was so brutal. You right. know, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Come on, yeah. this is ridiculous." How do I know that I know? I don't know. I right. just fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could do semesters it. of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, some of that is painful. But my favorite. Once I took a one-unit class in ping pong. I kid you not. <laughs> nice. I got college credit for. It was me. And a bunch of Asian guys killing each other on the thing. Just like it was a lot of fun. Beautiful. But yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's like yeah, do stuff that makes sense to you because unless, as you said, you have a very specific career path that required a degree, then college is really about something other than the degree you're getting. Yeah, and it's not. It maybe, and that's again why back to the binary thing. Some people will be like. 
you need to go to college, it's amazing, blah, 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 blah. And they have a portion in which they are totally right. Mm -hmm. They make some good points, but then they make it true for everybody in all contexts, and you're completely wrong. You have the other one who say, college is totally useless, you don't need your stupid degree, just go and find yourself. And they're really right in some way, and they are completely off in others. And it's like, how about you just look at it case by case, and it may be good for you now, or it may not be good for you now, and it's good for you five years from now, or it's never good for you, but it's good for your best friend. You know, it's like, it's case your by pa- case. Or your parents, you know, th- these parental pressures I think are so are so crazy. It's like the parents want to tell their friends that you're in school. The yeah. question is never, hey, is your kid happy? No, of course. No, the question is, what school is he going to? Yeah. What's he doing? And there's this intense fear that parents have that they're going to have to tell their friends that their kid is on some weird aberrant path right. and get judged for it. You know what I mean? But you can't fall the victim to that and pleasing that those kind of forces because it's nonsense my you know, kid you is do a Yale law school right now <laughs> right exactly. well, oh that's the bunch. hiking in Bolivia that gets with parents this, boners as right. hard as anything else they're yeah. like yes take that but again hiking in Bolivia with the shaman maybe <laughs> right. considerably more yeah better for the better for the life yeah 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 no that's why it's stuff like that to me is interesting because it's really about ultimately it's a life journey it's what you choose to do what you end up uh, making the choices that shape the rest of your life and that's why again it's good to have that moment where you stop all voices talking into your head pressure parents school your own internalized pressures of what you feel you need to be successful and really figure out who you are what you need being practical about it you know really thinking about what's gonna make you happy even in terms of money sure you need to know how much you need to be happy to be okay do i really need it if you don't you don't but if you do well be honest with yourself so that you don't say i don't need it and then you're miserable when you are lacking certain things you know really is about just being honest with oneself and really getting to know oneself so that the choices you make are tailored for you and if you change in time, then you change your choices at that point. You know, yep. it's like, didn't make sense then, but hey, it makes sense now. Now I'm going to go for it, you know. Mm-hmm. That stuff to me is key, absolutely. Now, completely different tangent. I read one of your Facebook posts a few days ago. <coughs> uh, what about jealousy? It was awesome. Uh, really <laughs> good. Uh, and mm-hmm. um, I'm sure you can articulate it better than I can go by memory on this. But if you want to familiarize everybody else who wasn't on Facebook with you and uh, throw out what the dynamics of your arguments were. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it, it occurred to me, you know, you hear these stories of either jealous boyfriends or jealous girlfriends. And I started to kind of look at the psychology of what's going on. So, you know, we use the, the male example right now. So a guy says, oh, no, I, d- I don't want you going out and to his girlfriend. He says, I don't want you going out to girls' night to this bar. I'm just, you know, you, why are you going to do that? I, I'm not comfortable with that. What that person is saying at that moment, basically saying, hey, there's a bunch of guys out there that are so attractive and so appealing that you're either immediately going to fuck them or you're going to want to fuck them and leave me. Right. You know, because they are better than me generally out there yep. in the world. And whereas the confident guy says, oh, yeah, have a blast. Be safe. Yeah. You know, he's saying there is nobody out there that can hold a candle to me. <laughs> right. So you can go out and see anybody you want, but I'm not worried about it. Right. You know, so right there you're creating you're creating your own reality. Even if you are this amazing individual but have this 
proclivity for jealousy, the message you're sending is, I'm not an amazing individual because there's lots of these other people out there who are better than me, who you're going to like more and you're going to want to hook up with, you know, instead of myself. So the jealousy ends up, you know, it is fear. And like most fear, it'll manifest the reality that you're putting out there. And people... Of all things, they take you at your own estimation of yourself. Right. And there's no more direct way to give an estimation of yourself than to be jealous in that situation or to be confident. So it's it's kind of interesting how that happens. But you see it, you know, time and time again, and it always fails. I know. And jealousy is weird because it's one of those emotions that socially we approve of. It's mm-hmm. something that's considered legitimate and okay. And it, hey, it's a sign you care. Which is like, really? That's a sign you <laughs> right. care? That's being psychotically controlling and wanting to. That doesn't speak care to me. Bees, uh, you know, there's this sense of his legitimate. It's something. And when you think about it, yeah, there's. It's a mental disease. It's something yeah. that we all have to some degree because it's like, I have the thing that I like. I want it to last forever. I want it to be with me, with me all the time, you know, that kind of thing. But again, it comes from fear. It comes from this sense of, uh, and ultimately is the opposite of love. Because mm-hmm. if you really, really love somebody, then the idea that they may find somebody is not, doesn't mean that it's better than you, but it's better for them right. than you are. Then the idea is, hey, let me help you pack the bags and yeah. hug you, kiss you, and have a good life. And I'm glad you found something you want. Kind of sucks for me right now, but <laughs> hey, I guess if you do find somebody that you you think click better than with you than me then it also says something about our relationship that as good as it was it wasn't there was something missing and then you know maybe i can find something else ultimately if you love them you want what's best for them so if what's best for them is being with somebody else good for them you know it's like it's sad it hurts you but at the same time is part of the reason it's so hard is people have these attachments because they're partner their girlfriend becomes part of their identity and part of a surrogate for the love that they feel for themselves if their partner loves them then they feel like they're worthy of love you know to a certain degree instead of having that immaculate self-love where you don't need to get take anything from your partner right and you're not attached to that you're not defined by who you're with either and at that point you know you're really free yeah it'll suck you know you'll miss their company uh, but it's not gonna it's not gonna damage you yep. as a person you know you will be whole your the amount of love you feel for yourself will be complete and your identity will not change based on that other person and i think if you can get to that stage where you can appreciate the hell out of the other person yep. you know and love them generously and receive their love graciously which is the line that mm-hmm. don miguel ruiz uses get to that level but not be attached and right. not make it part of your identity that i think is the key to the limiting this force of jealousy and you know guess what the, the the one of the rules of the universe is is when you release attachment you can pretty much get whatever yeah, you want i know you know when you're not attached to it yeah. you can get it and that's that's just the way the universe works it is a fucked up rule because when you <laughs> need something really bad you want it i need it now now when i don't need it i get <laughs> yeah, it you yeah, know yeah. what's the point but i agree with you it's exactly it's weird in my own experience i remember i've been always very kind of fearful in the regard of wanting the relationship the amazing woman who loves me and in that sense validates my own sense of who i am and all of it and needing it mm-hmm. badly right mm-hmm. 
I always had freakishly high standards, so I could never just settle for somebody just because. So in that sense, I, you know, I maintained these crazy high standards, which meant that sometimes for long periods of time in between relationships, I would have absolutely nothing because I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel comfortable settling. But at the same time, I would hurt. I needed right. it. I wanted it. I all of that. And for the longest time, it was that way. And then, you know, the last two and a half years, three years has been um, something in me flipped. I don't know what or how or how it happened, but something in me flipped where I don't need it anymore. It's not that I don't want it or don't like mm -hmm. it. If it's there, it's amazing. But I don't, it, there's nothing at the core of who I am that needs it like I need water kind of thing, which right. is the way it was before. And as you said, the second you don't need it anymore, it's like every freaking second you turn there's it's there for you no okay let's give you better you don't go for that one okay <laughs> right, right, let's right. give you better yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and part of it is you are so insanely comfortable with who you are that you don't put on a mask you're not trying to put on this anxiety driven show of like i'm gonna put on this show for you so that i can hook you and reel you in and that way i can have you and you're gonna be it's you're here, I'm having a good time. If you're not here, I'm gonna have a good time. And so I am 110% who I am. If you really like it and dig it, that's great, but I'm not putting on a show for you about who I am because I want anything. And when you when you can approach particularly people who are you're very attracted to, but when you can approach them from a standpoint of not needing anything from them other than that one second that you're sharing, mm -hmm it makes you so much more attractive to them than Absolutely. before. And suddenly people are like, wait, what it is that this guy knows that I don't? Because everyone else would be like trying to get in my pants or get my attention or get something. And this guy is just being himself, having a good time, being pleasant, not being a dick, not playing games, nothing. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's not this and it doesn't come from a place of need and because nobody likes needy energy. Needy energy no. is, is not particularly attractive. No, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's re repulsive <coughs> to, yep. to the opposite. You know, yep. That's the fastest way to repel. And I think it's, you know, another interesting point is people think about it just in terms of male-female sexual relationships. Sure. But it's very applicable to just friendships, mm -hmm. you know, especially when you're meeting someone who's, you know, had a little bit of notoriety or that is commonly has, or, you know, wealth or whatever that has people who want to get something from them yep. on, a, on a regular basis. If you come in with that mentality of, oh, my God, that's so-and-so. Oh, I, I mean, that could be really awesome. I need to have that right. as a, him as a friend or whatever. It's going to be repulsive. Of course. You know, so that same thing applies to just, you know, letting go, not needing it, not being attached to it. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And then, yep. you know, more often than not, it will. Right. You know, and that's the that's the crazy rule. I feel like the universe <laughs> lately in this past year is it, it'll do things that it's just like a huge wink, <laughs> like like even trivial things that I'll go through and I'll be like grasping, grasping, grasping. And then I'll be like. Whoa, Aubrey, you're fucking grasping here. Yeah. Stop that. You don't need that. And I'll kind of reflect for a moment and say, ah, oh, I'm at peace with not having it. And all of a sudden, like instantly, whoosh, it comes back. <laughs> I was like, I've been trying to get that for a year. Right. What the hell? Yeah. yeah. You know, and then I'd let go and then it comes right back. And it's just almost like this huge wink and a grin from. Yeah, because, and you can take universe. it as, oh, that's the technique I need to try. Right. I really want that. You're still so grasping. I'm going to pretend that I don't want it's it gotta be because real. that's when it comes. It got to be real. And then at that point, if it doesn't come, you're not even thinking about it. Right. It's not even like, why didn't it come? It's like, 
it's good either way if it yeah. comes it's wonderful if it doesn't whatever i'm having a good time and it's it's not even in the back of your head that way you just can't forget the song guys it's merrily 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 life is but a dream <laughs> <laughs> yeah because ultimately i mean the stuff that really matters is uh, when you put it in perspective a lot of the stuff that we get into these psychodramas of attachment about is not really that important and uh, and back to the relationship thing really is you don't want to hold on to things that's why even the idea of marriage is a little weird because this notion that we're gonna be together forever do us part and it's like how the fuck do you know you know maybe five years from now one of you guys change enough that it doesn't mean you're they are become a bad person but they need something else and what you add in common is becoming less and less and in that case again hug i help you pack your bags i love you forever for what you have done for me but you know, it, we're going in different directions. It's a magnetic pole shift inside personalities. It happens all the time, you know. And for a while, we're perfectly suited and we yeah. click right together. And every once yeah, in a while, it adds a whole bunch of weight of obligation. I mean, yep. the marriage vow should be very simple. Right. You know, I will love you generously yep. and I'll receive your love graciously. And that's it. Right. And that can apply no matter what happens. You know, you can always love someone generously mm-hmm. and receive their love graciously. And that's what you should be obligated to do. You Absolutely. Know, at, at the very bottom. And you know, then get to the party and the, the dancing yeah, yeah. and the have food. a good time. Yes. These long, drawn out weddings are brutal. Yeah. You know, especially when you have to go to a church because you're Especially when you got a square dance may- maypole waiting for you outside. I, I get restless. No, I can't deal with weddings. I'm physically allergic to the whole thing. I don't think. <laughs> Is that I from think a lot I'm, of Catholic weddings through the years? No, or? I think I've been probably, I don't think I remember. I think I've been to one or two maybe. And even those I suffer. I, just, I can't do it. It's not even that I don't like the people. In, like, I want to go for them, but it's like I've had uh, yeah it's painful for me it's something that seriously hurt it's I can deal with the pump the expectation the attack I don't know all of the whole thing is and again that's just my own weird thing people can have awesome weddings that they are get a lot out of it and I'm not judging it as that's a bad thing it's for me where I come from I'm highly uncomfortable with weddings (laughs) you should have come to mine almost 20 years ago 20 years ago in September um, I had a good time because we were all about well, we had a hoedown band, you know, that played right. all, the, all the marches and everything. So after the after the vows were done, it was <laughs> and the party went on. You know, none of these right. marches and other stuff. The drunk judge proceeding nice. it was perfect, and uh, you'd have had fun at that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I mean. You know, that's I'm not against be. not uh, these horrible bang the gong and yeah. light the candles and incense and now the procession begins and you know oh. and everything speaking of attachment everything has to be just perfect oh. and everything it's like oh God. that's the wrong girl yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> we can't be married because the daisies haven't arrived right exactly oh, no. yeah, 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 yeah. run my friend run yeah. yeah it becomes a big show yeah and again you know at the same time because it's not about black or white some weddings can be awesome and, uh, or it can be awesome for some people or can be you know so it's not a, again a good or bad thing in absolute terms is in relative terms for me so far in my life i feel like weddings troubled me a bit well, where do you think so the, the peyote sprinkle is, idea came the message from? is create your own wedding yeah, yeah yeah exactly create your own school create your own religion create your own wedding <laughs> yeah. it's your whole life create right life. that's what it create is create your own fucking life absolutely yes. did i ever mention my wedding quote-unquote on the air no. We never got into it. Oh, I'll have to tell you a story, Dad, because this is too good. It starts out as, um, hey, do you have time Monday? Yeah, sure. Around lunchtime. Okay, so we get married Monday. Okay, sure. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. 
Because <laughs> basically, is I was way at the end of. I by now I've done. I'm finishing a master degree. I've milked the student visa in the U.S. as long as I possibly could, and soon enough, I'm gonna have no real good reason to be staying in the U.S. legally. <laughs> And being illegal or deported is somewhat disturbing. Getting companies to sponsor you is a difficult thing. You can, mm-hmm. but it's complicated. So the easiest thing was marriage. And, you know, we love each other. We are living together. We spent, so it's like, psh, why? she didn't care about marriage. I didn't care about marriage. But it's like, well, as an alternative to deportation, that seemed like <laughs> a good alternative. So, okay, Monday, let's get married. We go to City Hall and um, we forgot that you're supposed to have witnesses. So we had no witnesses for our thing, except that there was another couple who also had no witnesses, so we could serve for each other. <laughs> now, the other couple, the groom is in his UPS uniform, and he's getting a little angsty because he's getting married during his lunch break. And he's <laughs> like, like, hey, I need to get back to work here. You know, it's like the city hall employee who's reading the whole thing they are supposed to recite and everything is this Filipino guy who speak with the heaviest Tagalog <laughs> accent in the universe. So I have no idea what he's saying. I have my own crazy Italian accent. He has no idea what I'm saying. And yet I'm supposed to repeat this formula that he tells me. That's when the ghost of Bruce Campbell's come to save me because from um, Army of Darkness, where he's supposed to repeat this complicated formula, he doesn't remember it. He kind of coughs his way through. So after I ask him, like, five times in a row can you repeat that and he goes I'm like fuck I don't know what he said and uh, again can you repeat can you repeat I'm like I can only ask him so many times before he punched me right so I was like eventually I just cough my way through whatever word I knew was like I solemnly swear that I'm gonna you know just totally bullshitted my way through we got to the end and I still swear that he said she's now your locally wedded wife as opposed to lawfully wedded. Meaning, you know, once you get out of the county, the whole different game, you know. But. There's a lot of people who must have heard that expression. I have known plenty of people who think they have a locally wedded locally wedded wife. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, humorous if nothing else. So the as a wedding thing, when I compare it to what I commonly know about weddings, I'm like, yeah, that was a slightly different experience. But it is funny that that's one of the only ways that you can get, you know, legal citizenship yeah, here in the states, of course, through marriage. Create. I mean, it, <clears throat> I've looked into it for a few different reasons, and it's just <clears throat> impossible any other way. You know, it's really difficult because yeah, marriage is the easy one. Um, getting your mama over the border the second before you pop out yeah if you're born in the US of course there's that there's and then it's funny because it's so complicated right they put these really difficult rules in terms of immigrating it's very very hard and then they have a green card lottery yeah. right, where you can just apply and they pick a number and it's like hey we pick you here is your green card and it's like how does that make any sense? You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's com- I know people who actually got their stuff through the winning the lottery. They have the they give you permanent residency based on a lottery. It's like what the hell? It just make no sense whatsoever. That's the universe winking at you again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So on that beautiful note, going back to create your own life create your own life that's what it's all about Mm -hmm. Um, anything you want to throw out there anything you're doing right now that you want people to know about you know I think I would love for people to kind of keep up with the Facebook page I've been putting a lot of energy into that and of course I I stay up on the Twitter but um, yeah definitely 
you know, take a look at what's going on on the Facebook page. Any kind of ideas or sentiments or thoughts or small things I can encapsulate, I'm putting a lot of energy and putting that out there. Mm-hmm. And it's also probably the best way to reach me if nice. you have any questions. Uh, it's not, you know, perfect 100%, I'm going to guarantee, but it's definitely the best way. I try to check it every day. We'll and, put a uh, link in the episode notes. Yeah, that'd be great. People can go there directly. And, um, you know, still got the blog and the podcast and got uh, Dr. Chris Ryan on uh, my latest Warrior Poet Project podcast. So check that out if you want to hear some more of me. But, uh, Yeah, just keep doing it. Create your own life. Awesome, man. Doesn't get any better than that. Absolutely. Thanks, Daniele. Thanks, man. I appreciate this. It'd be great. Thank you. Thanks. Well, that ought to keep your mind busy for a little while. I would say so, most definitely. It's what a stressful situation having Aubrey here. I mean, just, I could listen for hours. I know, he's a great guy, man. He really is. Now, to wrap things up for you guys, uh, if you are interested in our t-shirts, as usual, send me an email. It's in the episode notes, and I'll check if we have your size and color. Thank you to Daisy House Music for the, guess what, music. And we appreciate that. And we are recording these at a time when we are back to back. Basically, we're recording two episodes, so we don't have any donations. But there's one man who's worth mentioning in this case, Christopher Thomas. He wrote a review for us on iTunes that was quite awesome. He contacted me and stuff. He said, Dan Carlin, Joe Rogan, Duncan Trussell, Chris Ryan, and last but not certainly the least, Daniele Bolelli are the creator of the most informative and entertaining podcast I listen to. Bolel is a giant among, among giants. These guys, among others, are like the Wu-Tang of podcasting. My ego boost for the century is done. Yeah, so, that's, um, high, that's high praise right there. That's I'm quite pleased. Um, those of you guys who are in the mood to drop a review for us on iTunes, it's always appreciated. Yeah. And... Uh, Just uh, to, to do some more bragging, our, our Kiva donations are at $4,000. Very, very well There's done. There's like 120-something loans from everybody out there, and I just it's amazing, man. When, when people ask if there's any reaction to or call back to what we asked for, um, you guys have knocked it out of the park. It's really exciting. It's really impressive. And I think $10,000 by the end of this year is not out of the realm of possibilities at all. Definitely so, not. You know, we'll keep our eyes on them and make sure. But these don't seem to be shady folks at all. They really seem to be delivering what they're offering. And you really are helping out people. So if that's what you want to do, man, please come join in. You can designate the Drunken Taoist as your team. And um, it's growing like wildfire right now. And I couldn't be more appreciative, man. I really, really appreciate it. And if you have any question about any of that, reach contact info is in the episode notes as well. Yep. So feel free. Thank you, guys. Have a beautiful day. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon.
Blanca and showed you the way, yeah? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. Get back to work!